Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, well, welcome again. Hey, this is uh, a big weekend. If you have kids, we have the timber treat uh, thing going on, sort of a Halloween alternative. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. How many of you remember? Uh, I, I don't know. For me, uh, the you know the stuff around this time of year was a, a little more simple when I grew up. Uh, my mom would always forget to buy us costumes, and so I was pretty much a hobo every year. And, and my brother was a ghost, so we always knew uh, what we were going to be. If you think about uh, Halloween. Uh, it's sort of interesting people, you know, some of you are raised, hey, you know, that's the devil's holiday. Others like, hey, I don't know. I eat a lot of good candy. Uh, it's a great holiday. Uh, it actually uh, has its roots in, in a celebration uh, that, uh, that people had really in the early Middle Ages. It, it, was, uh, it was a day where All Saints Day, November 1st. And so people would celebrate, you know, hey, we have this uh, new life in Jesus. And then they would have on October 31st, it would be All Hallows' Eve. And for some reason, uh, people started dressing up like devils and witches. And so that's sort of how we uh, got uh, this holiday. Uh, I came across some, uh, some cartoons uh, around uh, Halloween humor. Uh, go ahead and check this one out. Yeah, that would uh, be bad. It's bathroom humor and Halloween humor. I like that. Uh, this one, too. This is going to take a little bit of thinking. Peter, Peter. Uh, okay, yeah, some of you aren't getting that. And then Halloween diet. Yeah, that's my diet. Uh, and then this, this is a candy uh, that you might like to buy. Zip poppers. Some of you are like, that is awful. Some of you are like, hey, it depends on what's inside that zit, you know? Uh, well, we're not going to talk so much about uh, Halloween today. Uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, really, as we finish up our series in Galatians, is how we do something that is really, I would say, graduate level faith, graduate level Christianity. And if you're here and you're saying, hey, man, I, I don't uh, know a lot about the Bible or any of that kind of thing. You don't need to know a lot about that to get to graduate level Christianity. In fact, uh, every once in a while people, not so much now, but when I first came here, it's like, you know, I really want you to get in the deep stuff, which is, you know, explain to me what it means in the Greek or the Hebrew. And I took all that in graduate school. I could do that for you. That may be interesting, but that's not the deep end of the pool. The deep end of the pool is what we're going to talk about today. We've been in this series in the book of Galatians uh, where we've been rethinking religion. The first couple weeks it was, uh, you know, how that sort of uh, legalistic, ritualistic faith, it, it just leaves us wanting and it wasn't God's intention. And then we looked at our own self-sabotaging behavior and how we can go the other way where it's not about rules and legalism, but we just make decisions that don't work out for us and were never God's intention. Uh, instead of being guided uh, by how God wants us to live, we looked at last week the end game. 
But you know you get it this week, uh, this whole idea of God's grace, if you're able to express this, and that's grace for other people. And as I, I talk about th this morning, I want you to not only think about this for your own life, but maybe someone who you're having a hard time with. And say, God, would you have me show grace for that person? Sort of how can I get there? Uh, let's start, if you have your outline taken out of your program, we're going to look at Galatians 6.1. It says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should really remind that person what an awful person they are. <laughs> right? No, it doesn't say that. That's sometimes what we do, is if someone's caught, oh, you did something bad, are you really, really sorry? Now, that may be a way to parent, but it's not how God interacts with us. It says, you who live by the Spirit, it's basically saying, if, you're, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, this is what you should do. This is not a suggestion, this is a command. You should, what, restore that person, and how should you do it? Wow, thank you. <laughs> Go get some more coffee. No, okay, you should restore him how? Gently, Gently okay, yeah that we're going to be gentle with people. At, when people are on their worst day, the worst time of their life, I get a lot of those calls where it's like, hey, he, he just walked out on me and, and maybe it was because of an affair or, uh, you know, I, I just got in trouble with the law for this or that. And it's, it's at that moment People need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded, that God has a plan for us. Because here's the scary thing. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So there's something that's so integral here in how we live, in how we express faith, in how we show grace for other people. In fact, uh, we find this all over the Bible. This is really uh, core to the entirety of Scripture. Jesus actually tells a story. Uh, a parable is a story in the Bible. It's not necessarily a true story. It's a story to make a point. Uh, and he tells this one, uh, and it should appear up on the screen. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began uh, the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all be sold to repay the debt. Some of you are like, what, really? Did they do that? Yeah, up, I mean, up until a couple hundred years ago in Europe, they had these debtor's prisons. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found his fellow servant who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is a lot less than uh, bags of gold. No matter how much William DeBain says silver is going to go up over the next few years, uh, it's still a lot less money. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me 
and I will pay it back. But he refused and instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And here's the deal. We know the answer to that, right? Yes, of course I should. Of course I, uh, I, I should do that, that I should uh, be a graceful person. H how many of you say, no, I shouldn't be that. I really want to be a bitter and angry person. Raise your hand so we know who to avoid. Uh, yeah, so, it, no, we know that. You, you, you may not be a Christian. You say, I'm not, I don't even believe in God. But you know that that's the kind of person you want to be, right? But the problem is, we find ourselves acting in a different way. Even though we, we know really uh, what we ought to do. Uh, psychologists will describe our problems this way. So there'll be a presenting problem. It can be anxiety, anger, depression. And then there's an underlying problem. So if you've ever gone to a therapist or a counselor, uh, they, they may deal with the uh, presenting problem, the anger, the depression, uh, whatever that happens to be. But a good one, at some point, they'll get to the underlying problem. Because otherwise, here's what will happen. If you just deal with the uh, presenting problem, uh, it'll come back again. You know, and, and that's why our uh, efforts at self-medication uh, don't work very long. You know, you say, hey, I'm going to just, uh, you know, uh, take the edge off a little bit. And that actually does work, but just not for long. A, a good therapist would say, what is that underlying thing that's causing you to be angry, that's causing you to be depressed? And so, so as, as we consider how to have grace for other people, we, we know, yeah, that, that just makes sense. That's a good way to live. What I want to consider are what are some of the underlying issues that can keep us from being the people we want to be, the people we were created to be. Uh, the first one is really, uh, and then we're going through basically chapter 6 of Galatians, is an underdeveloped faith, uh, where our faith isn't strong in that sense. In fact, look at what it says in uh, Galatians 6, 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You know what will keep me from doing that is that I, I haven't, one, c connected spiritually in a sense with God, but I'm dealing with my own burdens and my own scars and my own wounds. Uh, I, I was thinking about that, uh, just physical scars. Uh, one of the reasons I have a goatee is that I have uh, a big scar right here on my chin. Uh, when I was uh, a baby, first couple years of my life, I was in and out of the hospital for respiratory problems. And they had me in a crib once, uh, well, actually multiple times, and I crawled out of the crib, went on the floor, and went splat, cracked open my chin. You can, you can, you can like go ooh and on and feel bad for me if you want to. <laughs> Heartless group of people. Anyway, uh, so, uh, so that was uh, one of those things that happened, the little baby Ben bleeding on the floor there. And I have a scar. I have another one here I would show you, but uh, the, uh, uh, it's uh, from here to here on my kneecap, 
I was a, a junior high pastor, and we were on a retreat. We were out in the mountains. Uh, I don't know, we're playing football or capturing the flag or something like that. And we're running along. I trip, and I hit my knee dead center on a rock, and it cracks open. And those junior hires heard things they should never hear a pastor say. <laughs> uh, so, they, yeah, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, my heart needed some work, let me tell you. Uh, so uh, I had that there, and there's another scar. I, I have uh, one scar here, and this is from when I was maybe about uh, eight or nine years old. I was, uh, we, we lived in some apartments, and I don't know what, there's some adults standing around. There's this guy smoking, and he wasn't paying attention. And he put his cigarette out. I think he thought it was on like a tree or something, but he put it out on my arm. Yeah. Did I mention I'm from Tacoma originally? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you think about these scars and they're reminders, right? We know what the deepest scars are. When someone has lied about you and misrepresented you. you ever? Ha I, I, I'll tell you what, those scars, deep. They're hard to get over. When someone walked out on you and said, I'm going to be there forever. I, I had a friend, uh, you know, not keep a promise, and it, was, it, it had a huge impact financially. And, and those kind of scars, they can determine the course of our life unless something deeper happens. Psychologists will call it in our brain, there's like neuropathways. You never really get rid of them, but if there's a deeper neuropathway, then that will dominate. And if that faith neuropathway gets deep, it, it doesn't mean those scars don't exist. It just means they don't determine uh, our future anymore. In fact, this next series I start next week is going to be on spiritual habits. Some of them you may know, some of them uh, we've never really discussed before. They'll take you a little bit by surprise because these habits develop our faith and we get this, this trusting in God. We see that God shows up and our faith gets stronger. And so uh, when we deal with that, God works in our life. Another barrier is comparison and jealousy. Or I should say, maybe comparison that leads to jealousy. Uh, I remember uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I, I was not a super athletic kid, and so I focused on academics uh, instead. And so uh, I tried really, really hard. I, you know, I, I studied all the time, and I always wanted to be the smartest kid in my class, my third or fourth grade class. But I could never be the smartest kid because there was this uh, one girl. Her name was Beth, and uh, she was uh, she was athletic. She was smart. And no matter what I did, Beth was always the smartest kid in our class until that mysterious and unfortunate accident happened. No, yeah, uh, no. Uh, but, but it was one of those things that I felt like I, I couldn't be happy as long as someone else was maybe a little bit happier. By the way, uh, Eastside, you think anyone suffers from that problem? Yeah, it, it, it's true. I mean, think about it. You know, people say, oh, you know, hey, things are financially, you know, I, I wish. And, and honestly, if you look at it, not just from a global scale, from a, from a national or even a county scale, it, it, I, it's just that someone else has more and I don't feel like I, I can be happy with what I have. And here's the truth. Someone else will always have more. 
So can I be happy for someone else's success? One of my, now this is a whole other story. I say one of my stepdads. If you're new around here, uh, my, <laughs> my mom was married eight times and my dad four times. And so uh, the worst day of my life is when they said, will you make a family tree? <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but one of my stepdads, uh, uh, he worked for Boeing. And uh, he didn't have a college education like uh, a lot of people work for Boeing, but he did uh, relatively well. And I, his name was Mac. I said, Mac, what do you do? He said, I make other people succeed. He said, and most of these people end up going higher than, they end up being higher organizationally than me, but I'm carried along the way. And so he could be happy in someone else's success and it actually contributed to his own success, having a position that he had no right having, having given his education level. See, there's something great that happens when we operate according to these biblical principles. That's why it says in Galatians 6.4, it says, each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing to someone else. You know, one of the things I'll talk to our, our church staff about, uh, this has been a, a great year, actually a great decade for Timberlake Church. Uh, next weekend, we're going to have some highlights. You, you do not want to uh, miss that. Just sort of, in, in a sense, to celebrate, I think, some things that you, uh, every once in a while people say, so what's been happening in the church? Well, it's not, the sermon's not going to be on that, but, it, but we're going to share some of that information. But here's the thing I always say, what if God wanted to accomplish a mission that we have to, to make uh, a relationship with Jesus, Jesus easy and accessible, raise the spiritual temperature, have people find freedom and faith in their purpose, and what if we had a smaller part to play in that? Could we still be happy and celebrate that if God's kingdom was expanding even more? If we can't, then we need to check our heart. Now, <clears throat> I think we can, we'll continue to have a big part of that uh, in the future. Uh, another reason that we can have this problem of not being, having grace for others is sin justification. It, it's that we're trying to make ourselves feel better about our own stuff. Uh, any of you have kids? Raise your hand. Okay, well, if you think your kids have problems and fight a lot, check this out. Uh, so the first two brothers in the Bible, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, uh, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And you're saying, well, that hasn't happened yet. See, give yourself a pat on the back. You're a great parent. Uh, well, but by the way, we find out it was actually anger and jealousy, and they were, of course, adults when this happened. But what's really interesting is the callousness of of his heart uh, that we find. When God comes to him, it says, then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, he lied. But then he says, am I my brother's keeper? Like, what business is it of yours, God? What, what, why is this a big deal for me? By the way, the answer to that is yes. And I'm not calling you to become a weird codependent. The calling is to have compassion to say, yeah, God, you have a, a plan for me. We, we talk about uh, this in terms of our, our church values when I'm working with our staff, uh, that, that you can 
receive, embrace, and promote, like when you sort of rep something. When we receive a truth is good, that's great. I, I understand it. Embrace, I'm saying it's a good thing. Grace for others is a good thing. But when I promote it, when I actually give that, then I know that's impacted my heart. But another issue uh, for us can be compassion fatigue. Uh, compassion fatigue. Sometimes, you ever just feel a little bit tired at times? Uh, there, there's a, a story I, uh, I came across. Uh, I used to live in Pasadena. I went to graduate school there. In that one year, about 15 years ago or so, uh, the Rose Bowl Parade stopped for about a half hour because one of the floats, they had one strategic problem. They didn't fill it up with gas. Sponsor ExxonMobil. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have, so, so it sort of, we feel like that from a spiritual perspective, from an emotional perspective. Have you ever just felt like I'm spent? I don't have any more to give. Hey, that's a real deal. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it can, it can draw us away from God's heart. Like it, one of the things we do, in my family, I do uh, the grocery shopping. So uh, we, we sort of have this uh, set out. My dad did all the grocery shopping uh, growing up, and I do most of it. So I go to Costco or Safeway or Fred Meyer, and uh, my wife will do most of the mall shopping. I don't go uh, to the mall because it really is a, a physical reminder of what hell would be like. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, maybe not for you, but for me, definitely. Uh, so, uh, but I'll do the grocery shopping. I'll go to Costco because we know that's where the Lord lives and into uh, uh, Safeway. And then Fred Meyer. Well, well, I live over in the Issaquah area. And so I'll be going to Fred Meyer this time of the year. And there's always some, you know, they want you to sign something. They want you to give something or do something. And hey, that is great. We, we, we do that. Uh, and have you ever noticed like the Salvation Army, the, the bell ringers? Have you, no, seriously, check this out. Next time you go by them, that when, if you get really close to them, that bell gets a little louder. They get a little aggressive with that bell. Like, come on, don't be cheap, come on. Uh, and then, oh, by, by the way, and so here's what I will do. I, I hate to admit this. I literally, there'll be these pillars out in front of Fred Meyer, and I'll like shimmy around them. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I just don't want the confrontation. By the way, that will not work with the Girl Scouts. They have perfected the zone defense in the way the Hawks never have, quite honestly. Uh, <laughs> you will never get past a Girl Scout. <laughs> and it, it's not that you, you don't care. It's, sometimes there's just not a lot left. And so taking care of your emotions, your physical energy, your soul, is really one of the ways you keep this commandment. And then you're able to follow what it says in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, so what's the ultimate course correction in this? As we go through the, I just want to suggest two items, uh, and one is a proactive love. Uh, and, and we see this, this is the instruction uh, that's given in the Scripture. It says in uh, Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. By the way, 
yes, it, so if people share your faith, but it says to all people, all people, one of the things we're working on right now, we, you know, we've, we've had so many great ministry initiatives where we've made a difference in our world and our community. And I know that there's so many parents uh, and kids that are struggling, and it just seems like they're, people come, what are the resources? And, and there's some out there, but not just like the right ones. And I'm just saying, God, would you have us stand in the gap? And not just for people who, who go here. I mean, definitely for you, but people, if you're no faith or Mormon or Muslim or whatever, of course it's going to be by what we believe biblical principles. But because all people need hope. All people need that kind of proactive love. Uh, there's a sort of a renaissance in uh, theological and philosophical thinking uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, looking at some of the ancient church fathers and mothers. And some of that is good, like around the 500 uh, anniversary of the Reformation, you'll see a lot of Lutheran churches celebrating that. Uh, but some of it is not so helpful. Uh, for example, I went down to the, the Getty Art Museum and they had this picture there, and it was based on a work of one of the ancient, what they call Desert Fathers, St. Uh, John Callimachus, which uh, in, in many ways is good, but in many ways is pretty heretical, to be honest with you. And so you've got to watch that stuff, because it's based on his writings, and the, and the painting, it shows Jesus like this, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the, the white Scandinavian Jesus sitting up there. He's like, oh, you know, he's awesome. Uh, and then it shows this ladder, and these people are climbing up the ladder trying to get to Jesus. And by the way, some fall off the ladder, and it shows like all these demons in hell devouring them alive. It's a beautiful picture. You should show it to your kids. Uh, and the whole idea is there's this picture of Jesus, and he's so holy and dispassionate and not helping and that may accurately represent that writing, but it does not accurately represent in any way. In fact, it's the opposite of what you find in the Scripture. Because in the Bible it says, when we're at our worst, God is at his best. In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says, and Jesus humbled himself and took the form of a human and gave his life for us that we might find freedom, be forgiven, find our purpose, have a relationship with him. In Romans, it says, while we were yet sinners, while we, Christ died for us. And see, that's the heart of God. That's proactive love. That's the kind of love that I may not fully accomplish in this lifetime, but it's a laudable and worthy goal. And then secondly, is just to put Jesus in focus. If you want grace for others, if you're focused on them and how they deserve it, you're probably not going to give them grace. Because you're going to always find a reason why, why they may not be worthy. And just like the, the account we, we read about the, the servants, the ones that they each had the debt, and I'm sure the first one could have said, well, that other guy wasn't as worthy. And if we focus on the people around us, we're going to miss the point. When we focus on what God has for us, it changes everything. Last week, I, I, I talked about aiming higher when it comes to uh, how we deal with 
difficult people. And it's not to, to just not treat them badly, but actually maybe to, to try to take the initiative and do good. When it comes to a marriage, it's not just to not make him or her mad. Or when it comes to work, it's not to just not get a bad review. What if we actively sought, with Jesus in focus, the good for someone else? I'll tell you what, when I got this in my marriage, it changed the nature of my marriage. And so I've been doing this for like three or four weeks now. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, and I realized that not only did I become happier, Terry become happier, have all our problems gone away. No, she's working through a lot of issues still. No, the, uh, <laughs> she's going to kill me. So the, uh, <laughs> but uh, it just changed the nature of the relationship. You want to change the nature of your relationship with other people, your relationship with God? Say, Jesus, I want to have your heart. And that's why it says in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what we're going to do is we're going to close out this series and this service, and we're going to receive communion together. To really just put that, uh, that focus uh, before we go into our next series. By the way, if you're new uh, to, to church or you maybe come from a different religious background, uh, you don't have to say anything, do anything, or give anything, or be a member of this church or any church to receive communion. We practice what's called open communion. Where if you say, you know what, I want to recognize that God showed his grace for me as Jesus gave his life. And I'm going to recognize that with this physical symbol of the spiritual reality. Uh, you're welcome to receive communion. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come to you in this moment. And God, I know that for some of us, this grace for others... It's not just a nice little concept. It's a, it seems like a hill that's hard to climb. And God, I pray that you would help us not to focus so much on that hill of, of hurt and, and bitterness and that we're going to get past. But God, that we would focus on what you've done for us. And God, that we would understand that so deeply that we would reflect that personally. Lord, I, I, I pray for my friends who are here today. And if you're here today and you say, hey, Ben, you know, I don't know if I know God the way that you, you talk about him, but I'd like to. That even in this moment, that you can say yes to God's grace. And if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand or anything like that. But I'm going to just invite you to participate in a prayer. You pray silently. I'll pray out loud. I, I, I wouldn't call you out or embarrass you for the world. But you'd say something like this in your own heart. You'd say, God, thank you for your amazing grace for me, that you actively seek my good, that you actively offer forgiveness, 
even when I've looked the other way. But God, I'm not looking the other way anymore. I want that and I receive that. I'm not trying to fool myself or anyone else. I, I know I need a Savior. God, that I, that I need you in my life. And so I say yes to you, Jesus, as the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And God, I, I'm not sure everything that'll mean going forward, but I want to follow you. I want to be with you in this life and the next. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 